All right. We're starting a new series this morning called Belonging. Belonging. Uh, what does it mean to belong? What steps can each of us take to increase a sense of belonging? I, I think there's several steps that we could take as we belong to Inverness Vineyard Church, and we're going to unpack them over the coming weeks. And uh, I'm, I want to caveat that with an awareness that there's always an invitation for a movement towards greater belonging and being part of the church family at a pace which fits your journey. So very aware that each of us have very different journeys and stories, and the pace of that journey will look very different for each, and each, each one of us here. But and it's, it's an invitation. God's intention in His body is for each of us not just to be an attendee, but to be a member, to be a member, a part of the church playing their part, being discipled, bringing their piece of the jigsaw. Can you remember when we came back, for those of us who've been with us a couple of years, when we came back from uh, post-COVID, we all, we sent out a wee jigsaw of Inverness and we posted it out and said, this is your piece. It matters. It's unique. It's unique to the whole puzzle of the city and the mission that God's called us to. Carry your piece. What is your piece? What does it look like being part of this church, this piece? What is it that you're bringing? We all have a part to play. We're all needed. And there's gifts and talents and wisdom, all sorts that we all have to bring to the church and to belong to the church. So we're all here in this space right now for God, to give glory to God, to meet with God, to be with one another. But the reality is, as we come into this space, we're all here in very different places when it comes to church and perhaps even when it comes to God. Some of us might feel part of things, really part of things just now in terms of church family and feel connected, feel joined up. For some of us, we might feel right on the edge, kind of, I'm, I'm here, but I'm maybe struggling to find my place or find my people in amongst here. Some of us maybe have deliberately or subconsciously retreated, maybe just getting here and not much more. Some of us might be newish to the church and we feel quite stuck. We're like, okay, I'm here. What's next? What's next? What's my, what's my peace? Some of us might be coming for years, being part of the church family, but we've held back a little bit. We've been giving just enough, maybe. And maybe it's, it's, it's out of a place of fear or uh, anxiety or pain. And some of us might be exploring church and God for the very first time, or for the first time in years. So just aware that when we gather, we're all coming from very different places and spaces. And I want to communicate from the offset, you are welcome. And all those breadths of experiences and backgrounds and stories, you are so welcome. So wherever you are at right now, there is a place for you. There is a place for you. Visitor, attendee, member, explorer, questioner, doubter, you are welcome. And the heart of this series is to offer an invitation. This is to have a look at what belonging means in the Bible, to have a look at what God intends, what it looks like, and to ask and to offer an invitation and ask a question, where are you at? Where are we at? What is the next step? We're not designed to live in isolation, but in community. We're designed to serve one another in community. We're not designed to be alone. 
Yet the reality is, in all sorts of ways, we could journey months, days, months, years, decades without really belonging. Perhaps even when it comes to church. We can come on Sundays, we can maybe meander through life when in the very core of who we are is longing for connection, longing for something deeper. We're kind of, there's got to be something more. And that's because it's how we're made. It's how God first intended. We don't need to look far in God's Word to see the breakdown of that connection, that retreat. If you have a look at Adam and Eve, when things get difficult for Adam and Eve in the Genesis story, they retreat. They retreat. They withdraw. So what does it look like to truly belong? What can we do? And I want to start with uh, a story to paint a bit of a picture, kind of an overarching story. And uh, for the benefit of others that might not have heard, and a couple of years ago in October, I ran a marathon. I, I like to mention it uh, every two months, pretty much, to remind myself uh, more than anything. But it was brutal. It was brutal. But there was something tangible in the air as we all gathered. I think there was about 4,000 people out at Whitebridge, 26.2 miles away, just to let you know. And I felt in that moment like an elite athlete. I was like, oh, there's just something quite tangible. There's something in my bones that was stirring. The adrenaline was pumping. And I thought, I'm part of something here. I'm part of something. And I was chatting to strangers. I was going, you're going to do it. Come on, mate. What's your name? I was just like alive alive, encouraging one another. I even offered somebody on the run some of my deep heat roll-on. That's how connected we were on the run. Looked like they were struggling. How could I help? Here's some deep heat. Went, no, you're all right, mate, and carried on running. When there's a sense of belonging, something shifts in our hearts and our minds. It does something. There was a togetherness in that run which totally helped me along with the notes that Mary wrote. Every three miles, I took out a little card and there was a little encouragement. There was deeply profound ones at the beginning, some Bible verses. And then by about the seventh card, it said, I've given birth to three kids. You can do this. <laughs> that was the best one. Because for the next three miles, I ran like I'd never ran before. And I tell you what, when I was running, smiling made such a difference. I must have looked a right strange person in my pain, just smiling and laughing at that card that Mary wrote. I remember getting round to the final bend of the marathon. And I remember seeing my boys and I had a bit of a lump and Mary as well. And see, I had a bit of a lump in my throat. And I sprinted. I sprinted. I've got this thing about finishing well, you see, even in the park run, which I'll go on to in a little minute. But I've got this thing in the last hundred yards. I sprinted. And you can see the pictures. Of, you know, I'm white as a sheet and I'm like wobbly and his arms and legs everywhere. Instantly regretted it when I finished. I slumped to the ground. And folk were scurrying over to check on me. But there was something about that sense of belonging that spurred me on. Would I have finished the race without that encouragement and the conversations and the connections and the adrenaline? I probably would have. But my experience and journey was all the richer and more meaningful and transformative having people alongside me in it. My journey was all the richer, more meaningful and transformative having people alongside in it. So then... I left a year or so after doing the marathon. I needed a year to recover, you see. And then I thought, I'm going to start doing parkrun. And I've been running it with a mighty Kev, who's our welcome man, extraordinaire. And I remember the first time he couldn't make it. Brilliant. 
I was nervous. I was so nervous. The very first one, where do I go? What do I say? Where do I run <laughs> more than anything? Am I going to be too slow? Am I going to get lost on the route? What's going to happen? Will I be okay? And I ran it, and I absolutely loved it. And we're now 14 runs later. There's a sense of belonging to that crew. It's like park run, that's my space. That's my space. There's all sorts of different backgrounds in that group of people, all sorts of encouragement, seeing the same folk. I have my own personal jewels, you see, with the same folk. Don't know their names, but I know what they look like, and we're about the same time, and I have my own wee battles happening on the run. That is celebrating milestones, and me and Kev have a, a quick 10 minutes beforehand, and some weeks we are buzzing, pumped, ready to go. I say some weeks, very rarely. Some weeks we really aren't. Some weeks we run and we are hating it. <laughs> then we finish and it's so worth it. It's so worth it. There's a sense of belonging and showing up regardless of feelings because we know it will benefit us. There's something inbuilt into us that's deeply wired, I'd like to think, that's inside of us now. It's deeply wired. This habit has set foundations that doesn't falter when the wind blows. And yesterday morning, the wind blew. It was windy. It was windy. Even when it's hard, we show up. And often it isn't easy after we show up. I often share with Kev at the end how midway through the run, I'm like thinking of all sorts of excuses to quit. Because I am. Every single week, I'm like, I could just feign an injury here. I could just hobble off. I finished most other weeks. Oh, the ankle. I could do also, you know, I could just stop. I? I could just stop. I could just stop. But it's so worth it. And the whole experience for me, why I've mentioned that, reminded me, firstly, what it must be like for new folk coming to church as well. My experience of Park Run that first time is massive. And there's a role for all of us just to encourage and empower and commission all of us to be the welcome team, which we do. But just a reminder in that, to have welcoming hearts in this space. But as well as the welcome, it's also taught me the importance of belonging in a new way. Because when that's landed in here, like truly landed, something shifts in how we view this space. I'm not, we're not coming here for a benefit as such. It's like the park run great. I'm going to get fit. I'm going to get something out of this. We come here because of Jesus. To focus our eyes on Jesus. To be reminded of precious Jesus. I'm coming here because of his love for us. Devotion and thanksgiving, for thankful for mercy, for his grace, for new life, for God's presence, for hope that he chose us. We'll let that go. I've read that. He chose us in spite of ourselves. He is worthy of our praise. Anything else is a bonus. Should we not get anything else from God, he's still worth it. He's still worth it. He's still worth it. And biblically, we see belonging in three contexts in the Bible. Biblically, we see belonging, three, I've kind of doubled up there, but you know what I mean. In the Bible, we see it in three contexts. Firstly, we see belonging when it comes to possessions. 
So we read of things belonging to people, physically belonging. These quality streets belong to me. We see that uh, as an example. So we see it when it comes to possessions. We also see it when it comes to social groups, social lineages, uh, social yeah, if we get it up on the slide, so for example, the early Christians to the church, as we read in Acts, Joseph to the house and lineage of David, which we can read in Luke chapter 2. Thirdly, we belong to God and His family. And landing on this has three outworkings that I think helps massively, which we want to look at. We belong to God, firstly. Romans 7 verse 4 says, Likewise, my brothers, you, have all, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. So we belong to God. Secondly, we're no longer of this world. John 15, 19 says, speaks about, expect opposition. You're no longer of this world. You're of the kingdom of God. So we belong to God. We don't belong to this world. And thirdly, we belong to one another in the church. In Christ, we form the body of Christ. In Him. You see, with my running, it's protected. I see the benefit. I know what it brings. I know after I have a wee run, I'm a better husband. I'm a better father. The endorphins are pumping afterwards after I do the run. Mary always prepares for half ten on a Saturday because I come back thinking I can change the world. And I have all sorts of ideas. And Mary's ready for that now. But our weekends tend to be more precious together. I'm less antsy. Belonging brings a benefit not just to me but to those around me. So in this space, our shared belonging... And relating is founded not on a 5K or a fitness group or a reading group or a football team, but on the very presence of God. The kingdom of God coming in its fullness. There's an importance in relationships, a sharing of each other's lives. There's an importance in doing family in this space. Running the race because of this treasure in us. That when we live for Jesus, we are, we are His and we belong to Him and to one another here. And things happen. Things happen as a result of that. His kingdom comes. If we're to look at the church in the early church in Acts chapter 2, we see the Holy Spirit falling at Pentecost, the very presence of God coming down. And we see Peter following on from this moment, sharing with the crowd. Sorry about that writing. It's very, very small, but I'll, I'll be reading it out. And the people responding, and the very bit, the passage that we're going to look at is entitled in my Bible, uh, The Fellowship of the Believers. The Fellowship of the Believers. It says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amen.
This word fellowship, I don't know what comes into your mind the first time uh, or when I say the word fellowship. Lord of the Rings, anyone? Yeah. It's a strange word, isn't it? If you were to say to somebody in the street, what do you think fellowship means? Uh, for me, that has that picture. Also, that kind of thing of a secret society almost. I'm just going to gather with my fellowship. <laughs> or we hear in church circles, that was precious fellowship, wasn't it? And its meaning can be pulled apart literally as two fellows in a ship. Two fellows in a ship. In a body that leads to mutual sharing or benefit. Other translations define it as a more intimate community. So there's something really close, isn't there? There's something really close. The Greek New Testament has this word koinonia. I can never say this word. Could somebody? Koinonia. Koinonia. To share things in common or the sharing of the common life. Alexander Venter, who is a vineyard scholar, a vineyard uh, Bible teacher, he says this, uh, which is a great translation. It's the sharing of life in true community, which comes from real companionship, founded in quality communication and communion, originating in union. I really like that. The sharing of life, notice the words, in true community. Not just community, true community. Which comes from real companionship. Something just real and true at the heart of fellowship. Founded in quality communication and communion. Originating in union. In the Bible, John unpacks and complements this understanding by unpacking that through God becoming one with us, through Jesus, by His Spirit in a shared life, union with God leads to union with one another. Loving not just in word, but in doing. So we see again, belonging to God results in us belonging to one another. So union with one another is vital. It's vital. And practically outworking, what does that mean? That means this space on Sundays. And it also means life groups. It means the life groups that I spoke about earlier. That those spaces have to become the focus of this common life space. Not just a focus, it's like it's a response. It's, it's a response, it's like a reflex, it's as a result of understanding. It just happens and it's a key part of belonging. So what do we need to remember? There's three things that I, I very quickly want to chat about. Firstly, we prioritize, and they all begin with P. Which is good. We prioritize. What do we organize our lives around? What goes first? What forms our weeks? Where do we draw from? What's the mo most important space in our weeks right now? Where are the non-negotiables? For us, one of our non-negotiables is Saturday at 6 p.m., Gladiators. Loving the Gladiators remake, I've got to say. Anyone else? Yeah, brilliant. We can, let's start a life group, guys. Uh, what does church, where does church and life groups figure? Or before all that, where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? When I miss a run on Park Run, which happened a couple of times at the beginning, it's very easy to miss two weeks, then three weeks, then four weeks. 
Then as we are absent, it gets harder to get back. The muscles are less trained. We build up things in our minds, don't we? It's going to be so, will anyone know me? What are people going to think? Backslider. It's been seven weeks away. It's harder to get back. The muscles are less trained. And it's the same, as I mentioned with Parkland, with gathering with God's people, spending time. And this can happen quickly. There's an enemy who thrives on isolation. There's an enemy who thrives on self-sufficiency. You only need to look, if you go through bookshops, the amount of self-help books. There's a thing, you can manage it yourself. You can do it. Change your life in 30 days. There's a focus in our culture of us being the answer. I'm the answer. I'm the answer. We aren't. So are there things, here's a couple of questions, are there things that I am part of that are drawing me away from God's people that need to, need to shift around? Are there life circumstances that are keeping me away from God's people? And what changes do I need to practically make to prioritize these spaces? So we prioritize. The second P is we participate. We participate. I, a few of you, most of you will know I'm the chaplain at Clachnacudden which is a real Highland football team, you know, saying it, just Highland, isn't it? Uh, so I've been there for a, a few years, just helping out. And a funny story, actually, I have like a clach jacket. It's one of those long ones. And I feel, I feel like a manager or a player. And I went for a pizza hut one Saturday, just a takeaway straight after the game. And I was in the queue and a guy says, oh, do you play for clach? Part of me was so tempted to go, yeah, yeah. scored three. <laughs> Anyway, funny conversations you have with the jacket on. I remember the first six months or so, I would go along to training once a week, and I wouldn't train with the guys. I would have very little conversation. In all honesty, I was there, but I wasn't bringing anything to the space. Even at the games, I would just stand with a club jacket, zipped up that high, and uh, seeing everyone else running around, doing stuff. And I was like, I'm here, but I'm not really here. And something needed to change. And I had a little moment where I went, right, Okay, come on, Thomas, a little pep talk. I think I was in my car. I was like, okay, you're the chaplain. I've got to engage here. I'm going to just ask how people are. I'm just going to go around and say, hiya, how you doing? And I'm Thomas, I'm the chaplain here. I'm going to work the room. I'm going to chit-chat with folk. That's a good start. And I'd always get a free burger at the pie shed as well, which is a bonus. And that's why our boys come as well. They get loaded with food. And then folks started chatting, getting to know folk, connections formed, start to hear stories. People just start pouring out their life circumstances. Amazing just to feel part of things and to listen to folk. It wasn't about me bringing the answers. It was about me just listening and being there. So it was a step of engagement. And then last week, I had the opportunity. Uh, there's a new manager now, and I got to share. So I'd been going along and just chatting mostly with the volunteers. But last week, I had an invitation to go to training, so I hadn't been going to training for a good number of years, only the home games, and just serving where I could. I'd do the tickets sometimes, I'd do the shop, I'd help at the stand, and last week I got an invitation to go to training, and uh, at that point, I was specifically praying, Lord, I've been doing this for a couple of years, I have to continue to do this, and at that very point, new manager came in, I got a text, and he said, come along to training, and we'll get you speaking to the guys, so we went after I, Struan, our middle boy, was at football. I took him along, and they called about 40 of the players around. They said, this is, this is Thomas. He's a chaplain. 
and he's here to chat to you if there's anything that I can't help with. Over to you, Tollers. I'm like, so I had like about three minutes, just shared a bit of my story to all these guys. It was the most incredible. Again, I came home thinking I could take on the world. Mary, you'll never guess what happened. You'll never guess what happened. I got to share with all the players. I've been going for like four years, week in, week out, no breakthrough. Bam. Got to share my heart. I said, we meet, at, we're training at Melbourne. We meet at this school. But actually, guys, this isn't about church. This is about me being here for you. So whatever's going on in your life and you need someone just to feel listened to, you want to go for a coffee, you want to send me a text, I'm here. And I said, enjoy your training. And then they went, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All in unison. I was like, I'm the boss here. <laughs> it was fun. It was amazing. Now, why am I telling you that story? Because we can come into these spaces and think that just being here is enough. And for some of us, that can totally be, hear my heart on this, that can totally be the case when we have certain life circumstances and, and seasons where we need that to be that. So it's not that church isn't that. But for others, there's an invite to move. This is a hospital, but it's also an army. We are, for some of us, there's an invitation to re-engage. This is a space where we are to expect God to move. Every time. Every time. It's God's desire to meet with His people. Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. There's more or two or three in this space. God is here with us right now, right now. And I mentioned this a couple of times before when I was at an area gathering, one of the pastors, uh, I think he was from Glasgow, Jamie from Glasgow, there's about 15 of us in the room, and he just stood up and he said, it's inconceivable, inconceivable that God does not want to meet with his people. But do we wish to meet with God? What would change? Are we willing to engage? There's something striking about that passage in Acts that I read out. Notice some of the language, everyone, all, all of them. There's the togetherness and belonging. There's the common, there's the shared. So a couple of questions, just as I draw things to close. What is God saying to me just now? And how am I to respond? What's the condition of my heart right now? Am I harboring any unhelpful thoughts and feelings just now? Is there a stirring or a whisper into or out of something right now? Is there any mending to be done right now? Have I to say sorry? Where am I thankful to God this past week? I wonder, just like me at the footy those first couple of years, how many of us feel sometimes we're just standing there while everything else is happening around us? And the reason for that is maybe we've not fully answered an invitation from God to engage. How can that look? We participate. And then finally, we persevere. We persevere. You know what I love as I read the Gospels and the disciples and Jesus is the disciples often just don't get it. I don't know if you have little moments and you're reading it and you just, what? Come on, come on. In the presence of the divine, they're often led by their humanness. But Jesus persevered. And I love that. I love that. Jesus saw people not as they were, but as what they might become. That's a wee takeaway line there. Jesus 
saw people not as they were, but as what they might become. And we see actually responses sometimes to the disciples' silliness. There's a little passage in Matthew in Mark 10 when uh, Jesus invites the little children to come to me. The disciples aren't keen on that happening. But we read actually that, that Jesus was indignant. And actually, if you pick apart the translation of that, it's actually that he shuddered, he quivered. There was a real, no, 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 bring them, bring them. There's moments where Jesus was like, come on, guys, again and again and again. And you know, the reality is when we get together in our humanness, these spaces might annoy us sometimes, but they're a beautiful reality of God's love weaving stories together for His glory. People might rub against us and grate us, but in these moments, we persevere because something beautiful is being formed. God is here. God is here. So, a perseverance with those around us, but also when we don't feel like it. When we don't feel like it, we understand the value of investing and being part of spaces of God's presence in our best and also in our very worst. When we can see it, when we can't see it, we trust. When life is good, we don't disengage, we trust. When life is too overwhelming, we trust. We keep putting one foot in front of the other, knowing that God is here. As two or three are gathered, God is here. Knowing God is at work, knowing good things are forming and happening as a result of this perseverance. Knowing God is in this space. Knowing God has put people around me in this moment at this time deliberately and intentionally. It's not an accident. We persevere. Just one final thing. The funniest thing about my park run, come back to that again, is the best runs often come when I feel the worst. And I have no expectation at performing at any kind of decent level. I'm like, I feel awful today. The weather's terrible. I'm tired. The best moments come when I've been dreading it. What's that about? What's this? I'd love to study the psychology of that whenever I have time. It reminds me, don't base the race on feelings. Show up. Get in the business of showing up. And when it comes to church, perhaps that's a word. When it comes to gathering together with God's people, perhaps that's a word. Obviously, it's kind of important that I show up. There's a different level of weight there. But just to let you into a little secret, there's mornings where I don't feel like it. There's mornings when I'm not feeling it. But I'm drawn back to God is in the room. God is in the room. And as two or three are gathered, God is here. And there could be a God moment uniquely for someone else that I'm playing a part in as well. Getting to pray with someone, getting to chat with someone, meeting someone, encouraging someone. And I never come away from those at the beginning of those don't feel moments discouraged afterwards. Never. There's always something that I can draw away from that space afterwards. Oh God, I'm so glad I showed up. I'm so glad I put my best foot forward. I'm so glad I was in that space. So we persevere. We don't give in. Can I invite us all to step in? Step into a life group. Step into Sunday. Step into prayer meetings. Step in to any spaces you can do where God's people are gathering. I've done a little step there. Just step in. Make a way to join a life group. Make a way to be here as much as you can on Sunday. Fight for it 
more than the event or the club or the social event. Fight for it because it's God's design and intention for these spaces to form us into Christ-likeness and bring His kingdom, to be encouraged, to be filled, to be equipped, to be sustained. Step in. Why don't we stand? Lord, we thank you for the local church. We thank you that you are the hope of the world. Thank you that you are the hope of Inverness. And we want to play our part. Thank you for your presence here with us this morning. Thank you for each and every person's story here. Thank you for what's brought us here this far. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your perseverance with us. Thank you you never give up on us. Thank you that we belong to you. And would you just show us what the practical outworkings look like for each and every one of us? What needs to change? What needs to stop? Where is an invitation this morning? Come, Holy Spirit. Would you just land what needs to land in our hearts and in our minds?